0: This program is brought to you by the partners of A Rood Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Rood Awakening International today.
1: Imagine having to break away from family, friends, and a faith your family had known for seven generations. That's the personal story of Jake Hilton. But once Jehovah got his attention, everything changed. Today, he helps others understand what Mormonism is and brings the truth to those who are questioning it. And tonight, you're gonna hear all about it because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rude. Can you trace your family history back seven generations? It takes a bit of effort, and likely you don't believe the same things as your relatives did, you know, seven generations ago. But imagine if that's all you ever knew, and all your entire circle of friends and family ever knew for, you know, literally hundreds of years. And then you are the one that walked away and then started telling other people to stay away Mm. from everything you learned your entire life. Well, that is Jake Hilton's story in the first of six, yes, six episodes of Why I Left Mormonism. Wow, we're gonna get to that in just a little bit. But first, check your calendar. It's the third Shabbat on the 10th month of the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. Now, please welcome my co-host, the one and only, Angie Clark.
0: Shabbat shalom, Scott.
1: Shabbat shalom, Angie. Thanks for having me. Certainly, thank you for being here. You know, last week, we hardly they got to talk because right. we were, we we're rushing through things, and and, and uh, it was because Michael had interviewed Nehemia up here on the stage. It was I'm amazing.
0: Just, it's so exciting. It is so cool because he was <laughs>
1: up here, and you know that that uh, interview that he did was the longest he's been up here on stage. We did with a couple things with Michael a, a few months ago, right. And you know he's he's had a stroke, so he can only do a little bit at sure. a time. We don't want to stress the man out. You right. know, we we right. we want to keep him healthy, so. He was up here and he started talking to Nehemiah and more and more. And I was sitting in the back of the studio here thinking, oh man, he's, (laughs) he's really doing it. He's doing a whole interview. And he just kept going and going. And he was, I hope anybody who sees that, if you didn't see it last week, go and look at it. It's the first few minutes of Shabbat Night Live. So don't scroll past the first half or anything like that. Just go right to the beginning and you'll see that Michael has it's all still there. Right. He remembers things, he remembers Nehemiah's book, he tells stories about it. Amazing. He's, yeah, the only issue he has is, is getting things out, and boy, has that come along. <laughs> it has. Hasn't it? Tremendously. I remember when he first came home and he, he was in a wheelchair, he could barely speak, and they were actually concerned about Alzheimer's yeah, with him. Yeah, I
0: do remember. <laughs>
1: There ain't no Alzheimer's in no, Michael Rood, no, he's, <laughs> let me he's tell you sharp that. sharp as
0: he ever, ever has oh, been. Oh,
1: yeah, and he's just, he, he, uh, yeah, I think he was so thrilled to be up here. You know, it's so funny, he's so, qu- Michael Rood is not known to be quiet, but when he's just sort of <laughs> sitting in the studio now watching, he's very quiet. Yeah. But you get him up here in his element. Wow. This you, is you, his mandate. You this see is him his come call. back. Yep, absolutely. You know,
0: so he comes alive.
1: Yeah. And I think he just loves it up here. And we would love to have him up here. We just have to be patient. patient
0: <laughs> and listen to his wife. <laughs> right?
1: Lil is very protective and with good reason. Yes, we don't want to stress the man out. We don't, We don't want anything to go backwards. He's had very good progress and we yes. want to keep that going and I'm sure you do too. So in light of that, please be patient with us. Please be patient with Michael. He's coming back as fast as he can. We don't want to stress the guy out because Michael is one of those guys, you know, you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. He loves being up here, but it's probably not good for him to be up here too much right now. And you know, little bits at a time.
0: I just want to say to our partners, thank you so much for praying for him. I know many of you, many of them have fasted. Yes. They've prayed. They've continued to give to this ministry, you know, in in lieu of all of this. So thank you. Don't don't stop praying.
1: No, it is. No, really, we're not blowing smoke here. Michael is coming along. It's huge leaps and bounds. I mean, if you see him every day, maybe you wouldn't know. But when we see him here in the studio every once in a while, it's huge. That the is difference is huge amazing. from the last time he was here. So I believe he's going to be up here. I'm just going to say too. that in faith. I he's going to be teaching yes. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yep.
1: Maybe not whole hours. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe two. He, was, he surprised me up here with Nehemiah. So, <laughs> you know, I think it surprised Nehemiah too. Right. Yeah, so anyway, it's, it's a great thing to, to have. So yes, yes, indeed. So now uh, Jake Hilton, uh, yes. he is starting this week. Last week we had Paul Shea. And oh, speaking of I that before Paul. we get into that. So Paul Shea is of course, uh, you know, has Chinese roots and he's living in China, and he's bringing the truth of Yahovah. really interesting what he says about um, Taiwan being the key to the Chinese world right. because Taiwan is relatively free, right? So that's the key to bringing everything out while they still can. and that's you know geopolitical side stuff aside. That's why. Taiwan is so important, mm-hmm. just even faith-wise. Right. You know? So we need to pray for Taiwan. Mm. And you have a testimony here from a guy who was uh, in Vietnam. that region of the world, mm-hmm. Vietnam, Cambodia, mm-hmm. and he had a testimony about Michael Root. I love this testimony. This is from Arnold
0: P. I am a veteran, Cambodian combat veteran. In 1970, I led an invasion into Cambodia where I killed a man. It changed me and ruined my life. When I found Michael Rood in his teachings, the word of Yehovah became alive. Every verse I ever heard in the past took on a whole new life of its own. My soul, after 50 years of hurt from killing that man, is finally at peace. I can smile at people now and be a human being instead of a broken-down, damaged man.
1: Wow, love it. Yeah, I could see how that could really ruin a person's life. I mean, like someone said in the studio here, wow, he was in war, he probably killed a bunch of folks, but a part of Arnold's testimony that we didn't have there is that it was basically a, a wrestling match, one man on one, and somebody was gonna die. Yes. And that was, yeah, that would really change you. Having to save your own life, and the only way out is to kill this other guy.
0: But this, this is this is what you're making happen, is people's lives are being changed through the word of God that Yehovah has given, Michael.
1: Yep, absolutely. To give to the nations. Yep, indeed, and it's a great thing. So thank you, Arnold, for giving your testimony. And speaking of war, uh, we just need to mention this real quick. Uh, This month's love gift, I mean, these things are other things you can get with the love gift. We'll let the commercial do the talking there. Right. This is a teaching from Avi Lipkin and Avi is from uh, Israel. Mm -hmm. He's run for office, uh, hasn't got in yet, but he's trying to connect Jews and Christians together in the Knesset. I mean, wow, that's really neat. Uh, But he is also a political analyst, so he knows what he's talking about. And he says, you know, while we're paying attention to other things going on in the world, for example, China and Taiwan, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Russia, Ukraine, all that kind of stuff. He says, there's something in the background here nobody's picking up on. Hmm. And there's a real danger here with Turkey. Mm-hmm. especially as it refers mm. to Israel. And could it be that people from the north that the Bible talks about, and this all comes down, and it's, it may have more significance than we're really paying attention to. This is a teaching we could not put on YouTube. So you need to watch it. It's that touchy. And I think you really need to see this. So anyway, that is this month's love gift. Wonderful. So, yeah. I can't wait to listen. Oh, indeed. Well, okay, thank you for joining me today. Angie, oh, it's hope a to have you back County. again soon. So thank you again for sharing that, Angie. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, imagine having to break away from family, friends, and a faith your family had known for seven generations. That's the personal story of Jake Hilton. The first of six episodes starts tonight with Jake. It's why I left Mormonism. So gather your friends, gather your family, watch this one. Stay tuned for The Kiddish with Michael. Two minutes. See you then.
2: There is an end-time plan advancing right now. But the players may not be who you think they are. Is the media diverting our attention while a more important threat is looming? It's almost 300 million against Israel. And you'll also have volunteers, Muslim volunteers from Indonesia, 200 million. India, 120 million. That's Armageddon. Turkey and the Armageddon with Middle East expert and political analyst Avi Lipkin provides important geopolitical history and biblical context that most of us in the West are missing. Turkey and the Armageddon with Avi Lipkin is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rood Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in January, we'll send you Turkey and the Armageddon on DVD or Blu-ray Donate $100 and we'll send you two gifts, Turkey and the Armageddon, plus a custom-designed blanket exclusive to A Awakening International featuring the Hebrew word Shalom in different languages from around the world. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts, Turkey and the Armageddon, the International Shalom Blanket, and a stunning brass menorah. This beautiful showpiece will be the center of attention in your home standing more than 12 inches tall. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rood Awakening International in January. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com.
3: On Friday, the sixth day of the week, the markets in Jerusalem are filled with challah that is done differently than it is any other day of the week. On that day, the challah is covered with honey and it is covered with raisins because it is a shadow picture of when the Messiah reigns upon the earth in the Sabbath day or the Sabbath millennium when life on earth will be sweet. Yeshua, the last night that he had with his disciples before his crucifixion, he took bread, and he blessed the Most High, and he said, Baruch atah Yehovah Elohim, Malacha Olam, blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so the sanctification of the Sabbath, the kiddush that we do, sets apart this day and sets apart this very thing that we had rehearsed from the time that Yeshua gave this to his disciples. And then Yeshua blessed the Most High with this blessing that Melekzadik said to Abraham when he blessed the Most High. Blessed are you, Jehovah, our God, the King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant paid for in my blood. As often as you do this, Do this in remembrance of me. With that, we do exhibit the Lord's death and what he paid for our redemption until he comes.
1: To most Torah-observant believers, it's a bit of a mystery. It's usually not something you come out of to turn to Torah, but we're going to speak to someone today who did just that. Mormonism, coming out of that into a Torah-believing believer's lifestyle. Please welcome Jake Hilton. Jake, welcome to Shabbat Night Live. It is a
4: honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you, Scott.
1: Certainly. Wow. So, you know, your beard, your hair kind of looks like Michael, kind (laughs) of like a younger version of Michael going on here.
4: Hey, I tell you, that's that's a tremendous um, compliment. (laughs) I thank you for that.
1: (laughs) So when you first came in here today, when we first walked in through the doors, you said you're really excited to be here because uh, it was Michael's teachings that brought you to the knowledge that something wasn't quite right with the way that you had been brought up. So take us on that journey. You grew up in uh, Utah. Yes,
4: right. Uh in, raised. Mormon
1: raised. So tell us, where does the story begin for you?
4: I would say the story begins 38 years ago, January 6, 1984. I come into the world and I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. The headquarters of the what is officially called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or let's get a shorter name on that. Let's just call it the LDS Church or the Mormon Church. This is a church that was founded by Joseph Smith in 1830. So good grief, we're coming up on its 200-year yeah. oh, wow. anniversary. Wow, it is hard to believe it. So man. it's been around uh, for almost 200 years now, and yes, for. Uh, three decades of my life, I was not just in this church, but for a period of time, uh, from 2012 to 2015, I literally worked with an organization to defend Mormonism, to defend Joseph Smith, defend the Book of Mormon, defend the LDS Church, defend its leadership, all of it. Mm. And it was just over nine years ago, about nine and a half years ago in the spring of 2013. (laughs) The funny thing is it was actually the individual that I was working with, his name was Rod. I went to his home one day and we were talking about Mormon related topics and hey, we got to defend this and defend this aspect. It was kind of an apologetics organization. And I looked over at his desk and I saw this DVD set there and it caught my eye. Certainly the individual on the set caught my eye. He was wearing kind of a priestly looking bluish robe with kind of a funny looking hat. And I'm like, that looks interesting. Let me go check this out and I look at it. A Rude Awakening, huh. The DVD set was entitled The Spring Feast of the Lord. Teaching series that Michael Rood did many years ago at the Prophecy Club. Mm-hmm. I turn to my friend Rod and I say, "Hey, what's this?" Oh, uh, a friend gave that to me. Uh, I started watching it. I I wasn't really interested. Do you mind if I check it out? Sure, go for it. Now, now, Jake, just take it with a grain of salt. You know, he warned me. <laughs> you know, keep in mind, Jake, it's not—it's uh, not from the LDS Church, so you gotta—you know—be careful with that. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And I took that DVD series home, binge watched it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to the end of it, and I'm like, I need more. I need a lot more.
1: Uh, so you weren't doubting this at first, going, "Oh, this is all." Well,
4: no, Yehovah, praise be to his name, had already a few years previous, he had already begun the process of opening my eyes, opening my ears in order to see and hear the truth of his word, the Holy Bible. Uh, individuals such as uh, Kent Hovind, you know, uh, oh, yeah. creation mm-hmm. science; uh, Ken Ham with uh, Creation Museum and Ark Encounter; uh, Ray Comfort with Living Waters Ministries. These were already a few key individuals that God had led me to, and their YouTube and you know, movie, uh, movies, documentaries, teaching series. And He had already begun that process of showing me, but. I was now at a point in my life where I was ready to hear the truth of the Torah. Mm. This is a subject that those teachers don't focus on. You know, They're sure. more of that evangelical born-again background. But I was ready to receive the truth of Torah. And at that point in my life, I had heard of things like, say, Passover, obviously, and I had heard the term Pentecost, but I didn't know that it was the Feast of Weeks. Mm. And I had no clue about this unleavened bread or first fruits, <laughs> and I had I'd never even heard of these things. So I binge watch Michael Rood's teaching series on the Spring Feast. I got to the end, and I was I was hungry. I was just starving for truth, starving for the the meat of God's word. And so I hop on YouTube, look for a Rood Awakening, come across his YouTube channel, and over. Months of time, I binge watched everything a rude awakening has, and then I also was checking out additional Hebrews ministries such as uh, 119 Ministries and others. And it was one of the foundational, one of the key aspects, you know, that God, you know, was bringing into my life that did ultimately mm-hmm. bring me out of that false religion. Wow! So it brought me out of Mormonism, and it, keep in mind, I was not. What you, what I would call just like a, a regular Joe Mormon, you know, I I was born and raised in this religion. I am what you would basically call a seventh generation Mormon. That on my father's side and mother's side, family goes back. Wow, that's a like long, to okay. the beginning of this religion. Seriously. Oh yeah, right back into the 1830s. That's that's my ancestor.
1: So okay, so for you to depart this. So you watch Michael Rue, you see this and go, Oh, I have some reckoning to do. Oh, yeah. Now what? You work with this organization that defends Mormonism. Your family is seven generations back to the beginning of this. How do you work your way out of this?
4: <sighs> with care.
1: <laughs> I no kidding. So it was um
4: it was a roller coaster of a of journey, and it has been uh-huh. ever since. It really has. Where you come out of something like that. Now, now imagine, let's do a parallel you know, analogy here. Imagine that you're born and raised, say, as a Catholic, and we have the religion of Catholicism that goes back 1,700 some odd years. There are families that are born and raised in Catholicism that go back dozens of generations. And you, you come out of something like that what I would most certainly call it a dangerous religion, just as I would label Mormonism as a dangerous religion because there's so many similarities between those two faiths. You come out of something like that and the way that your family reacts mm-hmm. is that you're not just betraying God, you're betraying your heritage, mm. you're betraying your ancestors, you're betraying your family, mom, dad, siblings, you're betraying everything and I praise God that over these last few years, he has been softening the hearts of my family. And my relationship with my family has most certainly been improving. But for a while there, it was very challenging where the uh, the level of uh, shunning, if you will, <laughs> that I received from family and friends, these are friends that I had since childhood, was extreme.
1: You know, it's not unlike, you know, average Joe who comes out of a, You know, Pentecostal, Baptist, Mennonite background, like myself, for example. But it's a lot more than that because the Mormonism is a really tight knit community,
4: is it not? I mean, it is. It most certainly is. It's there are not. There's not too many, shall we say, quote, Christian religions that I would label as dangerous. When I look at at least the majority of uh, Protestant religions or evangelical, or born again, I personally wouldn't label those religions as dangerous Mm -hmm. because there's one thing in their lives that they do consider to be the authority of their lives, which is the the Word of God, it is the Holy Bible. That's that's what they build their lives on, for the most part. Now we may disagree on particular interpretations here and there, but I would say 90% of what most of these churches teach, I would, agree with and I say is you know, in, in harmony with God's word. But then there are these other faiths, like Mormonism, like Catholicism, which the authority is not the Holy Bible. It's not God's word. The authority is man's word. Mm. The authority is in the founding leaders of this particular faith or the current leadership of that faith. And when you have a religion where the foundation of that religion is not God's word, which is the perfect word, the flawless word, as the Proverbs say, that every word of Yehovah is flawless, when you have this other shaky sand, not you know a solid rock, but sand foundation of man's word, it is so easy for that house to fall, just as our Lord Yeshua warns us in Matthew chapter seven. So maybe you can explain to us. You know, some people look at this and go, okay, I, Mormonism,
1: never was really into it, never really looked at it. I know there's, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and then there's the Mormons. Right. But, and, and some folks look at it who don't, who aren't really in the church, they look at that and go, well, isn't that just like being a Baptist or a Mennonite or something? I mean, isn't that, how is it so different? What is, what is Mormonism? I
4: mean, really? I mean, <laughs> well, if you want to get into... The, the roots of Mormonism, you got to go back to the 1820s, and you have this individual named Joseph Smith, and his official name is Joseph Smith Jr., mm-hmm. as his father was also named Joseph. And at the time that I was in Mormonism, not only did I love this man, but I praised him. I, I mm. There is literally a hymn, one of the songs of uh, the LDS church, one of their most popular songs. I believe it's uh, in their hymnal number 27. It's it's called Praise to the Man. It is literally a hymn praising Joseph Smith. Hmm. This young man who at the time lived in western New York, it was his claim that he had come across this ancient record on golden plates, plates of metal. He takes this ancient record out of the earth, as it was his claim that an angel of God had led him to these ancient records, and also his claim he, by the power and authority of God, translated this ancient record.
1: What was this ancient? What was the language of this ancient record? <laughs> the,
4: What came out of this record is what's called the Book of Mormon, Uh which most people have heard of. And according to the Book of Mormon, its claim is that it began with Egyptian hieroglyphics. Oh, But over the 1,000-some-odd-year history of the story's people, it was modified and changed and ultimately became something that they refer to as Reformed Egyptian.
1: Okay, so that's what these plates...
4: That's what that's what was on these plates. That's that's the story. Okay, okay. But all right. The, the the important thing to know is that no one ever saw these plates. No one ever saw them. The three individuals who supposedly are witnesses of these plates, mm-hmm. you you actually dive down deep into these histories of these three individuals. You got Joseph Smith, and then you got Martin Harris, Oliver Cowdery, and an individual named. Uh, uh, Rigdon, they're looking at these plates through vision. You get down into their descriptions and they're like, yeah, in vision we saw these plates like some type of spiritual fleeting, you know, moment of, you know, God showed us these plates. Hmm. But physically speaking, no one's ever actually seen them.
1: So this would be like Moses going to the top of Mount Sinai, receiving the commandments, saying they were written down, but, oh, I don't have them.
4: I don't have them. (laughs) Well, that's the, according to Joseph Smith, once he was done translating this ancient record, uh, God, through his angel, required to have them back. You gotta give these back. Okay. So Joseph Smith returned the plates to the angel. So they're There's no record. they're nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. We can't see them, test them. We can't do any sort of checking whatsoever. The only thing we can do is look at the product that came out of this, the Book of Mormon, mm. and test that product as the Bereans would of Acts chapter 17 sure. to the true word of God, the Holy Bible, and see, do these things actually match? Do they agree? And when anyone does this, you'll see that not only do these not agree, but they are on many, many points of doctrine in direct conflict one it's, with another. And now is this why you say that Mormonism in particular,
1: and you are authorized to speak on such things, you say it is dangerous. Is, is that
4: why? That's the word I would use because not only is the, quote, authority of this religion man's word mm-hmm. as recorded uh, in the Book of Mormon. Now, they, they believe that it's God's word. That's, the, that's what their claim is. This is God's word, and Joseph Smith taught that the Book of Mormon, quote, is the most correct of any book on earth, and a man mm. will get closer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book, any other book, even the Bible. In the mind of a Mormon, the Book of Mormon is a higher authority than the Bible, even much higher. Mm. And then you have additional books in Mormonism, also from Joseph Smith, a book called Doctrine and Covenants, a book called The Pearl of Great Price, This is basically the foundation of their authority. It's what they build their lives on. And then you have its current leadership from Joseph Smith, its next president. It was a man named Brigham Young and then John Taylor, Wilfred Woodruff, so on and so forth until we get to modern times. Its current president is, uh, his name is Nelson, uh, Russell M. Nelson. This is the leadership. This is the authority that they build their lives on. And I call it a dangerous religion because whenever you have a different foundation, as Yeshua teaches, you got to te- you build your life on the rock, the rock of truth, on my word. Hmm. And that's how your house is going to stand. But if you're building over here on the sand of man's word, it's ever shifting, ever changing. And the, the house that's built on that sand is going to fall hmm. and great's going to be the fall of it. Now, would you see that as a greater threat, as it were? Um, you know,
1: of course, Judaism has its Mishnah, it has the, uh, um, the Talmud, right. things like this. Uh, and then there's, of course, the, the extra-biblical books that were in the Bible at one point, Ecclesiasticus, Tobit, all these other
4: things. You see this as one step beyond all that, is it? Very much so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if we want to say one step, I would say one massive, giant, enormous step beyond all of that. Okay. Um, Satan is extremely cunning and how he mingles his lies with truth and outcomes a false religion, a dangerous religion like Mormonism. It's used by the enemy to deceive souls. That's his main objective. That's what he desires to do. It's what he's very good at doing. He's had many thousands of years of practice doing it. And having spent three decades in Mormonism, and I I know what they believe, I know why they believe it, I know how they come to the conclusions they've come to, and myself, I even dedicated my life for years to defend this particular religion. I, I see it as a very, very dangerous religion that unless its membership is made aware of its dangers, they're going to step by careful step be led by the enemy ultimately, into the where Yeshua our Lord says, Matthew chapter 15, when the blind lead the blind, both leader and follower end up in the ditch. Mm. We, it's, it's imperative that there is someone that was raised in that background, that has come out of that and come to the truth of Torah and the truth of the Holy Bible to be a watchman on the tower, raise that warning voice and say, Guys, there's a problem here. Yeshua warned us to watch out, beware of false prophets. They do come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. And I would say, Joseph Smith, he is not just a ravenous wolf and a false prophet. He's, he's, the, he's a chief, you know, ravenous wolf and false prophet. Mm-hmm. And in this, this teaching series that we're going to be doing here at Shabbat Night Live, uh, you as well as your audience is going to see just some of those doctrines that are taught and you'll see just how extremely disturbing these doctrines of Mormonism are.
1: So how rare is it that someone like yourself comes out of Mormonism and goes to, goes to you know, things of the Hebrew roots and messianic faith
4: versus anything else? I mean, I haven't seen that myself. It's exceptionally rare. It really is. Statistically speaking, For somebody born and raised in Mormonism, because they teach as their official doctrine that the LDS church is the one and only true church on the face of the whole earth, it is their doctrine that all other creeds, all other religions, all other churches are an abomination to God Almighty. Mm. And the LDS church is the one and only true church and the Book of Mormon is true, DNC or Doctrine and Covenants is true, Pearl of Great Price is true, it's leadership, one of the doctrines of Mormonism is the leadership cannot and will not lead its membership astray, ever. So how can you challenge that? It, it, that's it. They, they exalt themselves into this position of, we are the authority of God on the earth. much Just like uh-huh. the, the rabbis of you know the Pharisees, uh, the, the uh, modern-day Orthodox Judaism, just like the Pope, Pope of Catholicism, they girl. exalt yeah. themselves into that highest of positions. Mormons believe it, and once you get people believing that, it's, you know, he, Satan has got him, you know hook, line, and sinker. Now, because of that, and because they're not built on the foundation of the Holy Bible, for the most part, when someone leaves the LDS church, they become atheist or agnostic. They, they, they don't think to go to the Holy Bible because they've never been taught to go to the Holy Bible. So they recognize through church history and their own research, well, Joseph Smith, he, he's a fraud. And when they realize that and they realize problems in the LDS church, they end up throwing everything out. Sure. They throw yep. it all out. So statistically speaking, those that leave the LDS church, they either become agnostic or atheist. Uh, a small majority do join themselves to uh, say another Christian faith, like mm-hmm. a, a Pentecostal or you know, whatever it may be. And for those people, I'd say, hey, praise God. Thank you for not throwing... God and Jesus, you know, under the bus, you know, Mm -hmm. as it were, you know, and getting them out of your life. I'm so grateful for people who do that. But then you get to a much smaller group of people. (laughs) (laughs) And that smallest group of people, I would say, are those that come out of Mormonism and seek true relationship with Yehovah and His Son, Yeshua, to be those true worshipers of God that worship the Father in spirit and truth and seek to be obedient to the Torah of the Father. very rare. Well, we're glad you're here, and we're going to continue this conversation
1: in a second. Thank you for bringing Jake here. Uh, You're responsible for it because you made this show happen. Jake had to come here from uh, Utah, as you heard, so he had a flight, he had a hotel, all that kind of good stuff. That kind of stuff costs money, guys, and... uh, It's just what it is. So that's what makes this go. That's what makes this continue. And thanks to Jake here, Michael actually gets more time to heal up. So you're actually helping Michael as well. So thank you for doing it. We're gonna come back with more and we'll give you a couple more minutes to consider a donation to this ministry. Thank you for doing that. Hey, thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. Before the break, we were talking with Jake Hilton about coming out of the Mormon church Uh, in 2013. You first discovered this, but even more rare as someone to establish a Hebrew Roots ministry Three years later. So you've been at uh, the Sword of
4: Yehovah Ministry since 2016, right? That's right. Uh, So I was in that ministerial type of life before. It's something I really got into in 2012, but that was really focusing on the defense of Mormonism Mm. and not the defense of Yehovah, his word, his true word, the Holy Bible and the Torah. So in November of 16, we're looking at six years now, I officially established the Sword of Yehovah Ministries. And anyone can find it at youtube.com forward slash sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's
1: why we actually had you on Shabbat Night Live. Someone, <laughs> one of our uh, supporters said, hey, you need to check this guy out. Check it out. So we went to your YouTube page. That's the only way we knew about you. And we saw that and I thought, hey, you know what? This is, this is wonderful. You're teaching stuff that Michael would teach. You know, really? And so that's why we wanted to have you on. And I'm so glad you brought your, your message with you about uh, Mormonism. I didn't know you, you wanted to talk about it that, you know, to that degree, but this is wonderful.
4: Well, I, I believe that God has a mission and a purpose for all of his creation. And so I look at my own life and I look at my background, 30 years in this false and dangerous religion, Yehovah not only brings me out of it, but he brings me to the beautiful truth of Torah mm. and relationship, you know, that uh, close and intimate personal relationship with him. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And I look at my history and I go, there's a reason for this. Now, what reason is that? And I was led to establish the Sword of Yehovah Ministries in November of 16. Now, It's available obviously to everyone, no matter their background, history, that's irrelevant. However, many teachings that I do is focused, particularly on that audience that has that same background that I do. Mm. The LDS church, born and raised, or they at some time in their life were brought into the LDS church. As you can see in this image here, this is from Salt Lake City, Utah. This is one of their temples, the Salt Lake City temple. It is my hope as the founder and pastor of the Sword of Yehovah Ministries to help others that have that same background to come out of that dangerous religion and come into that beautiful truth of Torah. Now, you said it was exceedingly rare
1: for someone to do that, and especially then to the level that you're doing now teaching about it. So do you find now that this draws folks that had the doubts like you did and went, well, well, something's
4: not right here. I mean. Do you see that? Well, there's a group of Mormons that will say that I call questioning Mormons, that they're already starting to see some of the problems in the LDS church. They're already seeing some of the problems with Joseph Smith. But at that point in your life, you don't really know where to go or what to do. And that's my hope with the Sword of Yehovah Ministries is... Yehovah willing, I can be used as a tool in his almighty hand to step in to these people's lives, if you will, to provide the necessary information, to help them see with clear eyes those problems in the faith that they were raised in, but also provide them with a solution. There's a, there's a path out of this religion, and that path, it may be straight and narrow, you know, mm-hmm. it may be small and tribulation-filled, but it is a path that leads right to the summit of Mount Sinai, right into the presence of the Almighty God and His Son, Yeshua. It is relationship with God that I I hope to help people, guide people towards.
1: And that's just that helping and guiding, this is not like a, you're not out to attack Mormons. No. No.
4: No, and that's something that I would like to make clear right now with, you know, this uh, disclaimer, if you will. (laughs) We have... Here is an image of an LDS family, and here they are, you know, walking towards a Mormon chapel in order to uh, be taught those doctrines of Mormonism, the same doctrines and beliefs that I was raised in. And the disclaimer that I would like to make clear to all the world is I am not in any way attacking Mormons. When I say attacking Mormons, the people, the the populace, the the membership of the LDS Church. I, I have a genuine love for these people. I, in many ways, I refer to them as my people. I, it's I your look family at, for seven generations. Good heavens! Sake, right? I, virtually everyone I know, practically <laughs> growing up, is is from the same faith. My entire immediate family. Uh, distant relations, uncles, aunts, cousins, they're all LDS. I have a tremendous number of friends who are still LDS. So when it comes to the general populace of Mormonism, the people, in no way whatsoever do I harbor any sort of animosity, bitterness, resentment, anger, hatred, none of that. I just have love for these people, so I'm not attacking Mormons. If there's anything that I am attacking, it's the religion itself. It's Mormonism. It's much like an individual, say, Muslim, can be a, a wonderful individual that I can you know, connect with and be friends with. The problem is Islam. A, a Catholic can be a, a great individual, a wonderful person. That's not the problem. It's Catholicism that's the problem. It's the same thing here. It's Mormonism that's the issue. So Mormonism is the danger, as well as the leadership of Mormonism, those that are perpetuating these lies, perpetuating the false doctrines. And when I think of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, uh, who is, of course, the the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is that lion, and he certainly wasn't timid in any way whatsoever to bare his teeth and roar when the occasion required it. He was more than willing to make a whip when he needed to make a whip and point the finger and say, you guys are screwing things up. But that was always, always towards a very specific group of people. It was always towards the leadership. And not just any leadership. It's not like just somebody who's a leader. He's therefore angry at them. No, it's obviously those leaders who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's those leaders who, as he says in Luke 11, you are withholding, he's saying this to the Pharisees, you're withholding the key of knowledge from the people. None of you are entering into the kingdom of heaven, and you hinder those people that are entering in. Okay, so those people should know better. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, they're,
1: they know what they're doing.
4: The people who, it is their duty, it is their responsibility to teach the truth, and instead of teaching the truth, they're teaching lies, or they're teaching their own man-made religion garbage. And a lot of these people know what the truth is but they withhold the truth. It's like what Paul says in Romans one, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Mm. To that group, and that group specifically, Yeshua was more than welcome, you know, more than happy, if you will, to be that lion, bare his teeth and roar at them. You just gotta read Matthew 23, and he's slamming these guys. But to the general people, he's nothing but kind and compassionate. He goes among them teaching and healing and serving. And that's my desire. So when it comes to the general populace, I get back here to the disclaimer, I am not attacking Mormons. It's the religion that's the problem. It's the leadership of that religion that's the problem. And doing any sort of teaching like this, where we focus on the dangers of this religion of Mormonism, there's really four groups of people that I like to think of. you got to know your audience. And so my audience is basically active Mormons, questioning Mormons, ex-Mormons, and non-Mormons. And when it comes to that first group, active Mormons, these are the true blue through and through die-hard type of Mormons that I honestly have learned through many years of experience, I don't even really try to reach these people hmm. because I've realized it's not my job. It's the Spirit's job to soften hearts and... You yeah. know, open mind. Yeah,
1: you can't break that. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly. Not, that's not your thing. So the
4: best thing that I can do for that first group is just to be their friend and be compassionate towards them, you know? It's not, So I'm not gonna force feed them something that they are just gonna throw up and not receive. But there's the second group that, in my mind, is the most important group, and those are the questioning Mormons. These are the Mormons that are already starting to see the problems, but the danger with this group is that they just may come out of Mormonism and go into atheism, as we talked mm-hmm. about before. This is the group that I really want to reach. Those people that don't throw God out, don't throw Jesus out. Keep the truth that is the truth. Let's just identify the lies, worthlessness, and unprofitable things. Get that stuff out. Let's teach you the truth of Torah and the truth of the Holy Bible, and let's lead you, guide you into relationship with God. We have this third group that are ex-Mormons. These are people who have already left and I would love to reach them as well, whether they be atheist or any other group. You know, If they've left, then please you know, watch a teaching series like this and hopefully they'll be benefited by that and have their faith in God restored. I would be you know, amazing. And then that fourth group, non-Mormons or people such as yourself, you've had no connection whatsoever to the LDS church, but more, this is a curiosity, maybe at the beginning, but also for somebody who has no connection, a teaching series like this will open your eyes to see, whoa, this isn't just a Christian religion. This is a, a cult and a dangerous one. Right. And because the doctrines they teach are, they can be potentially damning for, to the soul.
1: Yeah, and all I know is uh, some something I was taught a long time ago. And all I remember of it was, well, the Mormons, they have this thing called the, the holy underwear and things like this. And, <laughs> and when you die, you inherit a planet or something like this. And then that's all I knew. And it's like, well, that's weird. I'm just not going to touch that. But.
4: Well, you see, in saying that right there... This is why it's so important for somebody who has that history in Mormonism to focus on this subject is because there's a lot, there is a lot of misinformation out there about what Mormons believe. There are subtle nuances to their doctrines and beliefs that really only somebody who has had that history knows these doctrines and knows exactly what they are and why Mormons believe as they do. Right, for, for someone, for me to, to have that
1: twisted a view of it it's already.
4: It's like what you said was was close,
1: but it wasn't accurate. Right, so how am I ever going to witness to a, a, a Mormon that they're going to go, you don't even know what I believe, Exactly. So get
4: lost. I have seen numerous documentaries about Mormonism, and these are usually made by people who don't have that history in Mormonism, and I'm watching and I'm like, that's not accurate. I mean, it's close, but it's not accurate. yeah. And any Mormon who knows their doctrine would see it and go, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right, so how would, then why would that person And is, to then that? you're not gonna connect with him. Right, exactly. You have to have that background in order to reach these same people. And now we get to the, the why, really, why it is, you know, I do what I do. We've all heard the phrase, out of the frying pan and into the fire. That's what Mormonism is, in my mind, is that it's the frying pan. It's a bad situation. People who come out of that bad situation usually end up in a worse situation, such as atheism. That would be the fire. I hope, with the Sword of Yehovah Ministries, to help these people come out of that frying pan of Mormonism and into the living water of the truth of God. Mm. That's my hope. Because when it comes to the founder of the LDS Church, Joseph Smith, I have no hesitation whatsoever to identify him as exactly what he is, a false prophet. That's what he is, I have no problem with that, and I'm hoping that you know a Mormon, or Mormons, maybe potentially lots of them, will see this teaching series and go, okay, this is how you identify the founder of my faith, my religion, well, what is your reasons? It's our Lord Yeshua, again, that warned us to watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They, false prophets will never come to anybody as a false prophet. They always come to you all soft and cuddly and cute and peaceful. They're wearing the sheep's clothing. And it's Paul who teaches this in 2 Corinthians 11, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness their end will be what their actions deserve. Mm. Paul also teaches in Ephesians 5, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Now that's important. There's lots of fruits of the, the spirit or fruit of light but here we have Paul identifying three of them and he says, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Truth is important. Truth needs to be valued. And that's what I really hope more than anything with the Sword of Yehovah Ministries is to teach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and instill in this audience a love for the truth, that they will value the truth. We live in a society where There's my truth and your truth, moral relativism, and it's like, no, that's, that's not real. That's not reality. There is truth, there are absolutes, and it's those things we need to identify. Truth is one of the fruits of light. Paul goes on and he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Point them out when you see them, expose them, and then after they've been exposed, you've identified those lies, worthless and the unprofitable things as Yehovah says through Jeremiah and Jeremiah 16. Mm. Then once they're exposed, let's focus on the truth. Let's focus on the light of truth. You're now coming out of the darkness of lies. Let's look at the light of truth. It's not unlike a whole lot of things these days
1: where truth is, is uh, false and falsehood is truth. <laughs> you know, so expect expect some kickback
4: when when, Very much uh, so. when you go against this. Oh yes. Wow. And I have experienced that kickback for many years, many years. But I continue to do what I do because I'm I'm passionate mm-hmm. for for God and Yeshua and the truth of his word and it's like what Jeremiah says that, you know, the word of Yehovah was like a fire in my bones. I, I, I couldn't hold it back. I had to speak the truth. I had to get that word out. Mm. And so my hope is to reach this particular audience with the truth. And when it comes to the truth, it's Yehovah's word. It is the word of truth. As Yeshua says in John seventeen seventeen, Father, your word is truth. Your word is truth. And we've been commanded by the Almighty, here in the Psalms, as well as Proverbs, Amos, Romans, Proverbs again, and the Psalms, to hate evil, you who love Yehovah. The fear of Yehovah is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Hate evil, love good. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. A righteous man hates falsehood, hates lies. From God's precepts, I, David speaking, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your Torah.
3: Mm.
4: We've been commanded by the Almighty to love God and hate evil. Another way, at least in my mind, to say that exact same thing is to love truth and hate lies. One of my favorite definitions for the word truth has gotta be from the Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And truth is defined in that dictionary as that which was, which is, and which always will be. Hmm. Truth, now you know what that's all about. That's the very meaning of the name of our Father. His hallowed name, Yehovah, he who was, he who is, he who always will be that eternal absolute. Yehovah is truth. And we've been commanded to love truth, hate evil, hate lies, hate the darkness, love the light. And that's really getting to the why of you know, what I do, what I do. I do love the truth. And I do, I have a love for Mormons. Of course I have a love for Mormons, but I do have a hatred for lies. Mm. I have a hatred for that, that evil of lies. As it said, we just read that a righteous man hates falsehood, hates the, the lies of the enemy from the dragon himself, mm. which when it comes to truth and lies, what I love to do, focus on the truth, but expose and obviously identify those lies. But the enemy, Hasatan, as represented here with this illustration of this fiery dragon he's the dragon he's the serpent who deceived our first parents in the garden of eden the serpent deceived me the woman says when it comes to the dragon he never approaches us with his lies in this way pitch black 100% lies if he were to do this it'd be too easy to identify them mm. you were like well, you're not going to deceive me I can clearly see that that's a right. 100% lie. And so he doesn't do this as represented here with, you know, we got pure whites and we got pure black. Satan doesn't do this. What he does instead is represented in this illustration. He takes his lies and he carefully weaves them together with the truth.
1: Mm. Let's talk more about that next week. Sounds good. I think we have a lot more to talk about here. So we do have a lot more to talk about. All right. So in the meantime, there is Jake's uh, YouTube page on the bottom of your screen. Check that out. Until next week, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Jake about this subject. Fascinating stuff, and uh, hopefully you can glean something from it uh, this week. And again, join us again next week for Shabbat Night Live. So again, thank you for joining us, Jake, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week on Shabbat Night Live. Until then, Shavua Tov.